Good morning and welcome to worship. We are so excited that you have chosen to worship with us today at First Baptist Church. Whether this is your first time or you join us every week, we would love to hear from you. Please take a moment and fill out our connection card. You'll find the connection card at fbcpineville.net forward slash connection card. By filling out the card, we can learn a little bit about you and be better connected. That same card has a space available for you to share your prayer requests, and we would love to join you in praying with you. We hope you will join us this Wednesday for an evening of prayer and praise. This meaningful service will begin at 6 p.m. in the sanctuary. During our time together, we will hear a brief devotional from our pastor. Kevin will lead us in some inspirational music, and most importantly, we will spend time together in prayer. At First Baptist Church, we do life together at every age. Watch this important announcement from our children's minister, Kimberly. VBS 2020 Concrete and Cranes will be different than any VBS we have ever done before. But we are excited about the possibilities of what God is going to do in the life of your child and in your family's life. We're excited to have a three-night live family worship rally with a take-home element. For those that aren't comfortable with bringing your child, we understand and have made plans with you in mind as well. Come join the fun live or online each night at 6 p.m. We will live stream our worship rally on our private VBS Facebook group page. We will not be able to take walk-in registrations, so you must pre-register and spots are limited. Pre-registration will cut off when we reach our capacity limit. These spots are on a first-come, first-served basis and is in place in order to comply with policies in place due to COVID-19. We desire to keep you and your family safe and healthy. Once you register for your family's spot, this will guarantee that your child will receive a VBS take-home kit and it will reserve your family seat in the worship center for our live family worship rally. Each family unit is required to register and one adult must stay with them for the live worship rally. VBS Concrete and Cranes is for those that have completed pre-K through sixth grades. Register today to secure your spot. Church family, if you are willing to serve at VBS, we will have a VBS meeting Wednesday, June 24th at 6.50 in the sanctuary. Finally, we want to say thank you for your faithful giving. Because we give, we're able to continue sharing the love of Jesus from Pineville to the world. At First Baptist, we had made giving easy for everyone. There are four ways you can share in that joy of giving. You can mail your gifts to the church, give online at fbcpineville.net forward slash give, drop off your gift during normal office hours, or if you are in the sanctuary, you can drop your gift into an offering plate as you are leaving the service today. And now, let's worship together.
Good morning, church family. Worshipers together, let's stand and worship together today. The cornerstone, the solid rock of Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest
Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Welcome to worship. We are really glad that you are here today, and thank you for being patient with us. It's really not as hot in here as you think it is. Just tell yourself that all day long. Amen. We're so glad that you're here. Guests, iCampus viewers, we're delighted that you're watching with us. And if this is your first time with us today, we are especially glad that you are with us today. Would you do us a favor? Help us to get to know you a little bit better today by filling out our online connection card. It is available on our website and all of our social media platforms. You can even do that now as we are welcoming everyone together. It just helps us to connect with you and to help us share a little bit of information about our church. At the conclusion of our service today, we want our guests and our first-time visitors to meet our pastor and his wife, Rebecca, out in the foyer. We have a gift for you. It is a copy of his book, The Privilege of Worship. We are grateful that you are here with us today uh, for worshiping with us. I want to call your attention to a special ministry opportunity that is before us, happening July the 25th through August the 1st, and it is a mission trip that we're going to be taking to the Appalachian Mountains of East Tennessee. I guarantee you it is cooler there than it is here. Amen. July the 25th through August 1st, we're taking a team to assist of One Accord Ministry. Rogersville, Tennessee is one of the poorest areas of our nation, and of One Accord Ministry does all kinds of ministry activities to assist the people in that community, and we will be partnering with them. You can see on the screen the opportunities for ministry, anything from a summertime lunch feeding program that happens out of an old school bus to some minor repair and some construction to a thrift store to all kinds of other things. It costs less than $400 to go, and the church is going to help offset that cost by funds from our missions endowment fund. If you are interested interested and willing to uh, go with us on that trip, see Rick Bullock, who is our team leader for that trip, or see myself for more information on that trip. It'll be a great experience together. It's a special day in the life of our church. It's Father's Day, and whenever those holidays roll around, we always have parent-child dedication. Kimberly, come and lead us. We are so glad to be here today in the house of the Lord to take part of parent-child dedication. It is such a special day for our families here, but also for our church. Um, we partner together, us as a congregation, with these parents to help raise these children to be, to walk with the Lord. And that as that is our prayer, that one day these boys and girls would one day walk with the Lord and have a relationship with the Lord. But that starts today um, by these parents saying, hey, we want to dedicate our children to the Lord and dedicate ourselves to walk with the Lord, to raise them in a Christ-like home. So today we have four precious children that are coming to be dedicated. First, we have Sawyer Elliot Fleming. He was born October 4th, 2019. His parents are Zachary and Haley Fleming. He has two siblings, Emerson and Jackson Fleming. And grandparents, if you are here and you hear your name called, just stand when I call your name, okay? Donnie and Joan Henskins, Kent Fleming, Fred and Denise Holt. Great-grandparents are Martha Jenkins, Charlene Fleming, and Paul and Juanita Galata. Sawyer's life first is 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in, in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Our next precious child that's being dedicated today is Adler Emil Heatherwick. Adler was born April 10th, 2020 on Good Friday. What a good Friday that was. His parents are Windsor Thomas Heatherwick Jr. Goes by Thomas and Adrian. Grandparents, Angela Mayu, Pete Mayu, Tommy and Pam Heatherwick, make sure you stand. Okay, great-grandparents are Lawrence and Lottie Mayu, Emil and Pearl Pepitan, Robert and Rose Lucky, Walter Hill Heatherwick, Mary Love Marino. Okay, grandparents, you can be seated. His life verse comes from Romans 12, 2, and it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Our next precious child is Tucker Scott LaCoy. Tucker was born on September 15, 2019. His parents are Brandon and Caitlin LaCoy, and he has a sister, Madison. Grandparents, make sure you stand. If you're here, Scott and Rhonda LaCoy, Scott and Darlene Lemons, and great-grandparents are Helen Johnson, Earl and Pauline McVeigh, and Roger and Betty LaCoy. His life first comes from Ephesians 2.10, and it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Our last but not least precious little one is Macy Grace Redman. She was born on March 2nd, 2020, and her parents are Morgan and Megan Redman, and she has a precious brother, Will. Grandparents are Danny and Christy Nation, Bill and Cindy Redmond, Jim and Jeanette Carroll, Laverne Ross, Thomas and Belina Barron, and then her life verse is 1 Timothy 4.12. It says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. 1 Timothy 4.12. Stuart, won't you come? Right. Well, church family, part of this uh, dedication time is not just baby dedication, but we call this parent and child dedication. And it's also a time for us as a church family to unite with these parents in the faith training of these children. This is kind of a way that we say, we're behind you all. And we look forward to the day when these little ones trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We're committing with these parents to help these children to grow up to be first, to be focused on God, involved in ministry, respected by peers, strengthened in faith, and transformed by Christ. That's our goal here as a church of what we want to be, and that's what we want to raise up the next generation to be. That goal is based out of Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, which is the, called the Shema of Israel, the Hear, O Israel. And that is called that because that verse begins, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then God gives how people can raise up a faithful generation. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's where it starts, with ourselves. And then, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, permeate your life with faith training and instruction so that these children will hear the gospel and one day be able to respond to the gospel. As a church family, we want to pray for these parents and their children right now. If you just extend a hand toward uh, these folks as we lift them up in prayer and pray for these precious children as they uh, grow up. Our Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for these families and these children. And God, we pray that you will raise up mighty men and women of God in this generation. Lord, we pray for their parents, Lord, to be faithful and to grow in their own relationship with you so that you might use their example and their witness in their children's lives. And Lord, we pray for these four precious little ones and we ask God that you would raise them up and teach them every day. We look forward to the day when we're celebrating with these same people their baptism as they come to faith in Jesus Christ. We look forward, God, to the day when we celebrate their high school graduation and when we celebrate with them as they're married and maybe even when they stand here with their families and they're dedicating their children. Lord, we're behind them. We do life together here at First Baptist, and so, Lord, we're uniting our lives with these families. Bless these families. Do great things through them as they seek your face every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're grateful for the grace of the Lord, and we pray for the Lord's working in their lives today and the power of broken sin through Jesus. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. Why don't you stand and let's worship together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the Praise the 
The news headlines of the last few weeks have proven that our world is in need of change. Across our nation, there are people standing up for various types of change. Change in daily practices, change of public policy, change of leaders, changes to products, and more. But there's one needed change, however, that I have not heard mentioned in any headline. It's the one change for which we need some people to stand up for, though. That change is for this nation to once again be a place where we can say with unwavering commitment, bold assurance, and devoted hearts, in God we trust. I don't mean that as a mere national motto that we just put on money and things. I mean it as a national commitment We need to believe in God, to stand for God and serve God with unwavering faith. And that change will only come as people stand up for it. Gene Mills, the president of Louisiana Family Forum, said at a meeting we hosted on Monday that all of the events of these last few weeks are the birth pangs of the second coming. And that may be the case. However, they could also be the birth pangs of something else. They could be, on the one hand, the birth pangs of God's judgment on America, or they could be the birth pangs of revival in America. All of these things falling apart in society could lead us down one of two roads, to judgment or to revival. Warnings And calls of repentance are going out. Throughout history, throughout the scriptures, we see that when things were as they are now in society back then, there were people calling for repentance. There were things going crazy in society. And sometimes the people repented and revival came. And other times people didn't and judgment came. What's interesting is it seldom took wholesale repentance for revival to begin. It only took a few. In fact, in one of the passages that we're going to consider today, even one man would have been enough. I believe we have a choice in our day. We can continue on the path we are on and face judgment, 
Or we can repent and stand up for God and see revival. The events of our day remind me of the nation of Judah just before its fall some 2,500 years ago. And I invite you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 22 for this Father's Day message that asks the challenging question, will you be the man? Will you be the man? Ezekiel was one of the four major prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah, Daniel, and Jeremiah are the other three. And remember that the only difference between a major prophet and a minor prophet is the major prophets were long-winded. Theirs are the long books. The minor prophets are much shorter. The books written by the minor minor prophets uh, don't have less to say in terms of importance. They just had less to say in terms of words. But Ezekiel is one of the major, one of the longer prophets. And he ministered in the late 500s B.C., just before the fall of Judah and into the early days of the Babylonian exile. And in the days just before that fall of the nation of Judah, God raised up prophets to call the people to repentance. Jeremiah and Ezekiel were two of those working in Jerusalem trying to call the people back to God. Chapters 1 through 24 of Ezekiel predate the fall of Jerusalem, and they are directed to the nation of Judah largely as a whole. Ezekiel was divinely called to warn this generation of obstinate and hardened Israelites of impending judgment that was to come. And Ezekiel's messages were also to justify how God was dealing with his people in this way. And so Ezekiel called upon the people to repent and therefore be able to live. In chapter 22, our focal text for this morning, Ezekiel narrows his focus on the capital city of Jerusalem. Now, actually, Jerusalem was about all that was left of the nation of Judah at this time of Ezekiel. And so let's briefly catch some highlights of the deplorable condition of this city and nation. Look at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 22. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, will you judge her? Will you judge this city of bloodshed? Then confront her with all her detestable practices. Those detestable practices, as you read on, include many things, but two stand out in the text that we won't read, and that is shedding innocent blood and idolatry. Shedding innocent blood. Where there is no value to human life, God brings judgment. God points out that the people of Judah and Jerusalem are shedding blood as well as mistreating widows, they were mistreating orphans, they were oppressing the foreigners living among them. And in verse 7, God even lumps into all of this the devaluing of human life as a disregard for parent authority. Now, we might ask, what in the world does not honoring your parents have to do with valuing human life? Well, have you read the Ten Commandments lately? Because the Fifth Commandment is the only one with a promise, as Jesus said. And he said, honor your father and mother so that... You may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Now, why did God tell the people that? Because if people honor their parents, they will honor God and they will honor other people. 
If they don't honor their parents, they will dishonor God. They will devalue people, and society will break apart. Judah had a problem valuing human life. America does as well. Already this year, more than 470,000 abortions have been performed in the United States. Now, what troubles me is that riots can spring up over a handful of black men killed by bad cops, but nothing is said about the 400,000 babies that have been aborted, and most of them have been black. In fact, statistics tell us that a thousand black babies are aborted every single day. That's 365,000 by the year's end. Where is the outrage in that? Every life matters to God from the moment of conception to the moment of death. No matter the skin tone, no matter the ethnicity, no matter the dialect, yet we abort a million lives a year, and we kill one another in the streets. God, help us. Is it any wonder, though, that all of these problems have come about in an age of broken families, redefined marriage, and gender confusion? Because as goes the home, so goes society. Along with all those shifts has come a disregard for parental authority and therefore disregard for all authority. A devaluing of human life has led to a devaluing, a family life has been led to a devaluing of all life. God help us in that. Friends, politics and policies will not change that because it's a heart issue. Only repentance in the hearts of men and women will change this. We have a problem valuing human life. Also, like Judah, we, have a, we tend to fall into idolatry. Oh, now, we don't have Asherah poles and high places and temples to Baal all over the nation, but we do have plenty of idols. We take good things and make them dangerous things by elevating them to the place of God. Our three main gods in America are sports, entertainment, and money. Now, all three of those got ransacked by God as the COVID-19 crisis began. But as those things come back, we must be careful not to let them take over our lives again. The only thing that will help God get into his rightful place in our hearts is repentance. Because repentance cleans the clutter off the altar of our lives and allows God his room to sit there once again or for the first time and rule us. The problem for Jerusalem and the problem for many in our nation is what God says at the end of verse 12. You have forgotten me, declares the sovereign Lord. Such complete disregard for God 
causes God to pronounce judgment. He says in verse 13, I will surely strike my hands together at the unjust gain you have made and at the blood you have shed in your midst. Will your courage endure or your hands be strong in the day I deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. I will disperse you among the nations and scatter you through the countries and I will put an end to your uncleanness. When you have been defiled in the eyes of the nations, you will know that I am the Lord. When a nation has lost its morality, it cannot stand. Its courage and its endurance come to an end. In verse 17 through 22, God says the nation has become like dross to him. That dross is the impurities that come up to the the surface of the smelting process of, of metal. God says he's going to melt the nation down and remove the impurities. Some of those impurities for Jerusalem were found among its leadership. In verses 23 through 29, God calls out the leaders. First the princes, then the priests, then the officials, and then the prophets. All of those have become corrupt, even the religious leaders. Therefore, God who loves to work through community and through humanity has a problem. And he states that problem clearly in verse 30. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. Sin creates breaches in the wall of God's protection of his people. Therefore, whenever moral and spiritual crises grip a nation, God seeks out men who will stand in the gaps and stop the national ruin. In Ezekiel's day, God searched in vain. He needed just one man, but he found none He needed just one man with the moral courage to stem the tide. But the leaders of the the nation were ungodly. And the men who were supposed to be leading the righteous were unrighteous and corrupt. Anytime there is a breach in the wall, God looks for someone to stand in the gap so he will not have to destroy the land. This stance comes through fervent prayer to God and speaking truth in love to others. God just needs one man. So today on this Father's Day, I want to ask you men and even you boys, will you be the man? I believe God is once again looking for men who will stand in the gaps for him and build up the wall. In Scripture, the burden for standing up spiritually is placed on men. Now, that doesn't mean women shouldn't stand up. I sure hope you are. It simply means that men have been designated by God as spiritual leaders. And when we shirk that duty, we're in for trouble. Until we men get ourselves right, our families, our churches, our communities... Our state, our nation, our world will never get right. Because it starts at the heart. Every one of those institutions is linked. 
And the link begins with the father in a family. What happens with dad ripples out through the family, through the church, through the community, and through the nation. As go the men of the church, so goes that church. As goes the church, so goes the community. As goes the community, so goes the state. As goes the state, so goes the nation. There is a spiritual burden placed upon men by Almighty God, and we must man up and bear that burden for the good of ourselves, our families, and our nation. What kind of man can do that? Ezekiel just says, I looked and couldn't find one. Well, I'd like to, with Ezekiel in the background, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 to the very end of Paul's letter to that church. And in this chapter of 1 Corinthians, Corinthians, Paul's wrapping up his letter. And if you remember, 1 Corinthians was written to a a church that had a lot of problems. Uh, There were divisions. There was bad theology. There was a lot of bad morality happening. Even some people didn't even like Paul very much. But in these few verses, Paul uh, reveals his desire for the church to be faithful. And he gives several imperatives for the church to live up to. Now, these imperatives can apply to both men and women. But as I read this and asked the question, what kind of man stands in the gap? These imperatives stood out to me as a good way of helping us know what we need to be like. The first is a man in the gap is on guard. Paul says in verse 13, be on your guard. The Corinthians needed to be on their guard because Christ was coming back, the enemy was at work, and that is still the case today. How many of you believe Christ is coming back and the enemy is still at work? We're closer today than we were when in Paul's day. We don't know when exactly Jesus is coming back, but we need to be on our guard. Anything that goes contrary to the Word of God by promoting disunity... By promoting hate, by devaluing life, by excusing away sin is from the devil. It doesn't come from God's word. Godly men, therefore, are called to stand up and guard the truth of God's word for their families, for their churches, for the community, and for the nation. So men, be on your guard. Paul then says, stand firm in the faith. A man in the gap is steadfast. I love that word, steadfast. It's an old word, but it captures what it means. The Corinthians needed to stand firm in the faith because there were some people who were trying to teach a different gospel. You know, the enemy loves to twist God's truth. He takes just a little bit here and just a little bit there, and he twists it into something that you say, well, God's word says that. No, it doesn't. But he's a master at that. And the problem is the enemy, Satan, knows the Bible better than most Christians. We need to be able to stand firm in the faith. Men of God must be steadfast in holding up the truth of God's word that does not change like shifting shadows. The word of God is like the author. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It can't mean today what it didn't mean then. Men, be steadfast. Also, a man in the gap is courageous. 
Paul says, be men of courage. Or in some translations, it just says, be courageous. The Corinthians needed to be strong men and women of courage because there was doctrinal error among them as well as those who were living contrary to the moral teachings of the faith. It takes courage to call out sin and to stand up against it. People don't like to be called sinners. I mean, do you? Do you want somebody to point out what's in your life that's contrary to God? No, we don't like that. We'll excuse it away or fight. But that doesn't change that sin is still sin. And when a nation starts calling good evil and evil good, they're but moments from a fall. God help us here in America because there is an awful lot of calling good evil and evil good. We need godly men who will be courageous and stand in the gap. So men, be courageous. A man in the gap, if he's going to be courageous, has to be next strong. He says, be strong there in verse 13. This is the idea of strong in the faith. For a man to stand up for God, he's got to know God and be growing in his faith in God. And just as we build physical strength in our physical muscles by Working out through regular exercise, so we build up our spiritual strength through regular exercise. Of following God, of reading his word, of praying in faith, of believing for God to do things, of using our spiritual gifts. And God builds us up stronger and stronger and stronger. A man who is not growing in his faith cannot stand for God. He'll be run over. Men, be strong. And finally, Paul says, a man in the gap is loving. Verse 14, do everything in love. Now, he said, be on guard, stand firm in faith, be men of courage, be strong. It's like, kind of stuff, right? And then he says, be loving. While we stand firm, we've got to do it in the right way. Love covers and underlies everything else. Love confounds hate. When you counter hate with love, the hate just stands there and goes, wait, 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 wait a second, what just happened? Love trips up anarchy. The foolishness of God's love confuses the world's wisdom. As we stand up for truth, we must do so in love. We do not hate those who hate God. We love them because they're loved by God. Our desire is to lead them to God or back to God. Still, love does not move aside. Love does not say, oh, that's, that's wrong, but you go right ahead. No, love stands in the gap. And it holds back the waters in the, the areas where it should run instead of standing back and letting it flood and waste away the communities beyond the dam. We've got to stand in the gap. On guard, steadfast, courageous, strong, loving. Is that you, men? Men and boys, I want you to stand in the gap, but I also want you to stand up right now. 
Even those of you watching at home, stand up right now where you are. If you're sitting in your living room watching this, I want you to stand up there. Your family, your family that you may have one day, your friends, your church, your community, all depend on you. And I believe God is giving America a choice. We can either let the gaps remain and in turn face the judgment of God, or we can stand in the gaps and we can see revival come. And it can begin with us. It can begin right here with us. I don't know about you, but I choose revival. When I read about the judgment of God in Scripture, it's scary stuff. I want to see revival. And so here's what I challenge you to do. One, assess your entire life. Assess everything that you do. Assess your schedule. Assess your checkbook. Assess everything, your, your subscriptions. Everything that you have in your life, assess it. And ask, does it lead me closer to the Lord? And if it doesn't, get rid of it. Second, arrange your priorities so you can grow in godliness. Make time for God every day. Make time for church every week. Find outlets for ministry so you can exercise your spiritual muscles. And third, accept the challenge to stand in the gap. Because it is a challenge. And it is hard. And here's how I want us to end this message. I want all of you ladies to reach out your hands toward your man or another man that you are, are close to in, in family or friendship. And I want you to stretch out your hands toward them. You need to put a hand on them. We're going to pray for them. All right? We're going to ask them. And if your man's not here today, pray doubly for him. All right? Lord, we come before you today and we pray for the men standing in this room, the boys standing in this room, the men and boys standing at home. And God, we ask for you to give them spiritual courage and spiritual strength like they never thought possible. God, I pray that there would be a revolution of men who stand up for God. Lord, beginning right here. God, men who will speak truth and love, men who will not compromise their lives, men who will seek your face. Lord, for us to get that close to you, we know, Lord, that, that there may be some stuff that we've got to get uncluttered off of our altar. And so, God, right now, we, we declutter our lives. And we ask, God, that you would reveal to us anything that is a trap, anything that is a temptation, anything that is threatening to keep us from you. And Lord, help us to get rid of that. And we pray, God, that you would speak and move in our lives in a dynamic way. God, transform us by the power of your word and the indwelling of your Holy Spirit is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Men, thank you. You may be seated. I want to encourage you to continue to be courageous. Continue to be courageous in keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, it may be that you're, you're a little far from God right now. I want to encourage you that God has grace that goes far beyond anything we've done or anything we've left undone, and he can radically transform your life. 
So in just a moment, we're going to sing this wonderful song that says, Grace that is greater than all our sin. And I invite you to come. We've gone back to regular invitations. If you're um, comfortable coming and talking to me and praying with me, I'm comfortable with you coming and talking and praying as well. And I want to seek the Lord with you. It may be that you just want to come and, and lift up something here at the altar and ask God to bless your family and to guide you. The altar is open at this time. This is a time for doing business with God as we stand and sing this song of invitation, grace that is greater than all our sin. Thank you, church family, for being here, suffering through a little bit warmer day. We're working on it. It's not too bad. Some of y'all keep your house this warm, and not me. But <laughs> grateful for you to be here. Happy Father's Day, fathers. And we look forward to how God's going to use us all in the days to come. I'm believing in the men of this church and waiting to see what God will do through us. Miss Sue Miller is coming to close us in prayer. I can't think of a, a better person to close us out and just seek the Lord today on behalf of our church and our men in praying for our nation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, what a word we have heard today. Mm, we have been in your presence. Father, I pray that there is indelibly imprinted in the heart of every man 
who has heard this word spoken this morning. I pray, Father, that there are those who will be willing to stand in the gap for their nation, for their family, Lord. And Father, I pray that as a woman and as women, Lord, you made me think of how Aaron and her stood beside Moses and held up his arms while the battle was going. Our men are in a battle. May we as women come beside them through prayer, through commitment, through our steadfastness, hold up the arms of the men of whom we are a part of, committed, husbands, fathers, sons, grandsons. Father, I commit myself as much as possible, fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I might through prayer and steadfastness hold up the arms of the men who are in my life and those who will walk into my life because of friends and even distant family. Lord, let prayer drop as a blanket from heaven upon us. Father, I pray a special prayer of protection around my pastor, Stuart Holloway, for he has spoken a true word anointed from heaven. And Lord, enemy doesn't like that. So Father, may we stand in special thanksgiving for your servant who is unafraid to speak your word. But may we surround him and his family with special prayer. Now Lord, this morning I said, I am glad that I can come into the house of the Lord. And I thank you, Father, that I would not have missed this for anything. For I walk out of this place knowing I have been in the presence of the living God, in fellowship with my brothers and sisters, hearing a strong word, and in the joy of worship. So, Father, let the blanket of heaven cover each one of us as we live here today. May we live what we have heard. I ask this in the name of the one and only God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. 